For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's going on, Blue Jays fans? Welcome to another edition of Jay Bird Watching Podcast. I am your host for this week's show. My name is Adam Corsair, and I am, as always, joined by my co-hosts, Mr. Craig Borden and Mr. Brendan Penicar. Gentlemen, how are we doing? Wonderful as always. Oh, as always. Amazing, yeah. but yes. Oh <laughs> <laughs> my goodness. And I keep you hours north of Toronto, so it's even colder for where I am right now. So it's uh yeah, it's quite chilly. <laughs> yeah, I think here in Rhode Island, it's actually supposed to snow uh, tomorrow. So, yeah. yeah. I That's horrifying. The that there's snow going around everywhere. <laughs> Saw a couple Crazy. flurries earlier. Scared the crap out of me. <laughs> Well, it's uh, crazy times we live in. It is May the 8th, and uh, we're maybe experiencing snow. So, you know, we have this pandemic we're dealing with. We have crazy weather, but it, not all lost. It's not all forgotten because, well, there's a rumor that baseball may be returning. But before we get into that, I kind of want to jump in on the Jay Bird watching special of the bracket check. So we are down now to the final Four. We have Josh Donaldson versus Marco Estrada and Jose Bautista versus Ken Giles. Brendan, I'm going to start with you. I think I know which is the most surprising of these matchups, but so far, like just on face value, does anything shock you about this Final Four? Um, I would say that, I mean, I think I said this last week, Adam, when, when we put this idea together. I, and I think even a few people who have chimed in and, and offered their thoughts and opinions, I think most people thought that we were on a crash course for Jose Bautista versus Josh Donaldson once they saw where everybody kind of was placed. But, I mean, I still am surprised that Marco Estrada made it as far as he did. I mean, he, I'm just looking at his journey now, and he started with, where is he on this? He started with Ryan Barucki, okay. Then he went up against Brandon Morrow, which I thought would be a little bit more competition for him. And then Strowman, I thought, was going to advance over Marco Estrada. So the fact Estrada made it to face Jay Happ was impressive enough. And then the fact that he actually beat Jay Happ quite handily, I would say, yeah. uh, was even more of a surprise. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if it's because of how his tenure started with the Blue Jays. Just uh, Obviously, everybody knows that when he got traded for Adam Lind, nobody really wanted Marco Estrada because he came off of that like 42 home runs allowed season with the Milwaukee Brewers, right? We're like, oh, yep. this is going to translate well in Toronto. Then he started as a reliever, only pitching in mop-up duty. Uh, and then he came in when there were some injuries to the rotation, and Daniel Norris or Aaron Sanchez just weren't pitching very well as youngsters. And then he just never let go of that job. Uh, my guess is the reason why Estrada has made it as far as he did um, is because of his playoffs. And, I mean, the back half of 2015 was special. I would say all of 2016 for Marco Estrada was pretty special. And then, Adam, the fact that his 2016 
led him to be an opening day starter in 2017 speaks volumes to how much the Blue Jays liked Marco Estrada. And then before his back started acting up, he still, I would say at one point, Estrada was probably the best pitcher the Blue Jays had on their staff in 2016, maybe to open up 2017 before his back started flaring up. Obviously some competition with Sanchez and whatnot, but yeah, I think a large reason why he made it as far as he did was probably due to his playoff performances, and I don't think anybody can argue against that. What do you say, Craig? Is everybody really that surprised that with Josh Donaldson versus Edwin that it wasn't closer? I yes, love I Josh Donaldson. Don't get me wrong. I he he was just the way I play the game, 110 percent over. You know, he just plays it hard nosed and just runs out there and puts it all out there. Obviously, he's a lot better than I was. <laughs> but just saying. But Edwing, man, the guy had an immaculate ability of coming up big for the Blue Jays for years. And I just happen to be flipping through YouTube and whatnot and watching highlights and stuff today. People forget how many big home runs he had in the 2015 playoffs, too. You know? You know, it's not the Donaldson dash or all the walk-off home runs and everything, but Edwin Encarnacion had a great tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays. And the fact that Josh Donaldson basically comes in and sets the world on fire, and then next thing you know, we're in the playoffs consistently for two years. And quite handily in that matter. <laughs> but I was just shocked that that was a 77% to, what, 23? 22. Yeah. 22.8. Yeah. I was just surprised that was so one-sided. I figured it was going to be at least a 60-40 with Donaldson taking the edge. But it, Edwin Encarnacion. I, I thought that too. Yeah, Edwin, Edwin has those kind of years on any other team without Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson. He's the fan favorite on any team. And I'm not saying he wasn't a fan favorite. It's just insane that we had this many good guys for those few years there to have the most ridiculous offense in baseball. <laughs> but the other catch, I was a little upset that Casey Jansen didn't quite make it past Ken Giles. I was a little surprised by that one, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Casey Jansen, I told you the story I had about him. But, like, when it comes to <laughs> Josh Donaldson, like, you know, I think it boils down to how we uh, evaluate the talent and how we evaluate sort of like the greatest Blue Jays of all time. And this isn't taking anything away from Edwin Encarnacion's talents and contributions that he's had for this Blue Jays team during his tenure. But um, what I feel about Josh Donaldson, like we, we sort of illustrated it before that on this list, I think Josh Donaldson is the best player overall on out of anybody on this list and Jose Bautista is the greatest Blue Jay out of anybody on this list mm -hmm. and if you if you make like sort of a, a Mount Rushmore or a top five for Toronto Blue Jays unfortunately personally I just don't have Edwin in it so it's not so much that I'm surprised Josh Donaldson beat him but Craig I think I can you know second what you said it's to the degree that he beat him like that's yeah. That's a huge margin, 77 point, what was it, 77.2 to 22.8 or something like that. Like, yeah. that is a huge, huge margin in between. And, you know, I, I think it's because when we evaluate the 2015 or the 2016 team, we hold Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson in such high regard as, like, these mega superstar players. And unfortunately, like, Edwin, as great as he was, sort of trailed behind the big three. Like, he was the third always out of the big three. So I think in that regard, like, yeah, we expected Josh Donaldson to beat him, but run away with it? Mm, I don't know. 
and not mind you too guys i don't know how you've been counting how many votes each one of these sets has been coming up but most of the offense ones have been our best categories for votes and it's been a minimum of 80 points or 80 votes i mean for each mm. poll so this is a sizable yeah. amount of blue jay fans that are you know Shout out to Biggles. I know she voted Josh Donaldson, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, as far as those kind of things go, like I said, I, w- I voted for Donaldson too, just like I said, because and he's probably been my favorite player since Carlos Delgado had mm. left, and I, I was a diehard Roberto Alomar fan before that. So you get an idea of the guys I like are the kind of the grinders that just just destroy pitching. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just. Like you said, there we might not see another player like Josh Donaldson for a while, unless we see these kids starting to come and really run away with it like that. That is an insane amount of tap. Ta- he came over here first year and won his won the MVP award, guys. Mm-hmm. First season. Yeah. Well, I remember the day he got traded to the Blue Jays, and I'm going, he's going to hit 40 home runs. It was within the first five minutes of talking about. It. <laughs> He's going to hit 40 home runs and no problem. Just because of that ballpark transition, I knew he was going to set the world on fire. So, that's my Yeah, he was was playing Mortal Kombat when he got traded. I remember they were were reporting that he was playing Mortal Kombat, and he was just like, oh, okay, cool. And I remember, yeah, I personally remember, like, you know, I was, I think, like, a lot of people. Like, I always felt compelled towards Brett Laurie just because I love the – the fire in his game like the red bull bro kind of attitude like i something about it i was just like gravitating towards and i remember his debut he had a stellar debut and that like tandem of laurie jp and cp and rookie romero like the team unit kind of thing i always enjoyed yeah yeah we thought they were going to be the guys right and you know i remember when they traded brett laurie i called my you know then girlfriend now wife at the time and I was like, they traded away Laurie, and she like she was out, and she rushed home, and she's like, I can't believe they traded him, and she's like, I'm version. so sorry. <laughs> she's like, I'm so sorry. Like she was like consoling me. I was like, well, Josh Donaldson's a really good player, and the thing about it is that I didn't realize first of all how good he was because Craig, I think you're right. Like that the athletic ballpark probably didn't do him any justice, even he though he did. There. That's what I'm saying. Like even <laughs> though like, he did hit easy. quite well there in the coliseum but my dad was a huge oakland a's fan and i called him I'm like they traded josh donaldson to the blue jays for brett laurie he's like you have no idea what kind of player you got you have absolutely no idea the the talent that you just got and lo and behold the dude won the mvp and it, it goes to show you that he is definitely at worst one of the top five blue jays of all time yeah Oh, for sure. I remember uh, back in 2014 when Josh Donaldson did not make the All-Star game and the Athletics Twitter was out in full force, just <laughs> raking everybody who was trash-talking them about Josh Donaldson not making it or just speaking ill of them. Because, I mean, 2014 was probably the season Josh Donaldson truly broke out. Yes, I wouldn't say he was the player he became with the Blue Jays, obviously, because he won the MVP and just took it to another level. Probably some ballpark factors involved there, but I remember seeing that he was a snub. And so at the time of the trade, Adam, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, okay, I know he's good because these athletic fans were just getting irate at the fact that he didn't make the All-Star team and look at his fan graphs. Like, okay, he had a good year. 2013 was all right, too. Let's see what he can do. And then as soon as the season started, he brought his flair and everything. It's just like, okay, yeah, I'll solve. This guy's probably... I, I I think he's my favorite Blue Jay. I really yeah. do of of all time since I've been a fan. But 
I mean, the one, th- the one, only other thing I'll say about Edwin guys is it sucks that I know we're going to get into this in a bit that there might be baseball this year, but if there was baseball this year, Encarnacion was going to play in his age thirty-seven season, and he's currently sitting at four hundred and fourteen career home runs. The majority of those hit with the Blue Jays and some with the Cleveland Indians. I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that if there was a season this year, uh, and if he played for next year and maybe a third season, he would have hit 500 home runs. I can see that. I think it's, I think it's a lot because he was like the Robin to Jose Bautista being Batman, or um, I can't remember the name of his character, but in Talladega Nights, he was always the guy who came second, right behind Ricky Bobby. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then it's just like he just didn't. Ne- Edwin Vaughn. never got his moment. Yeah, yeah, he never <laughs> got his moment as the guy on the team except for when he hit the lockup against Baltimore everybody loved him but not as much as Jose or Josh Donaldson yeah. so I think that definitely played a part in this too yeah. I have two two tidbits guys sure in 2013 and 2014 there was only one player that had a higher war in baseball than Josh Donaldson Mike Trout oh wow <laughs> Oh yeah, <laughs> that was why I was so damn excited to see. He got no love in the MVP voting either of those years, and he was fourth in 2013 and eight in the uh, 20, uh, 2014 season. But guys, then I had to make the other joke here because Adam, you mentioned all the Red Bulls for Brett Laurie. So oh, yeah. we went from pounding Red Bulls to going one beer, two beers. <laughs> <laughs> that was the greatest moment ever. <laughs> but yeah, he was in the M- in the MVP race, top five for three or four years right there, from thirteen to sixteen. Mm. Nice. Yeah. And he apparently finished eleventh this year, this past season with the Braves. Well. You can't deny the talent, and you can't deny the impact that he's had on the organization, and it shows with this bracket, right? And, you know, Estrada, we talked about the impact. Well, Brendan, you talked about the impact that he's had, especially with the postseason run, and we've illustrated that in the previous weeks that I think that's what was going to carry him to the point where he's at right now. Unfortunately, he's going up against Josh Donaldson. I don't think he has a prayer. And I think right now the voting oh. <laughs> illustrates that. Too. Yeah, it's, it's just it's not going to be close. But when you look at the Ken Giles and the and the Brett Cecil, I remember I was going for squints, squints all day, and I, I ended up being wrong about that. I'm not totally shocked because I do think there's a little bit of recency bias there. And right now Brett Cecil's kind of falling off the mat in comparison. Um, but Jose Bautista versus Vernon Wells, come on now, like come on, no, no, <laughs> come on. Th- thanks for that, you know, for that awesome contract that you got, Vernon Wells, and thankfully Alex Anthopoulos was able to trade it away. Yeah. Um, th- thank you, but um, it, it, I mean, I don't think I'm alone here that it's going to come down to Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson for sure. Which is pretty much oh, yeah. how I think we all thought about it beforehand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what I think I like about this a lot, and I've been putting this in the tweets, is that the guys who have made it to the final four, just by the way the voting has gone, that's who the voters consider to be the best at each category. So if we are going and looking at it as Marco Estrada is the best pitcher the Blue Jays have had in the 2010s, and then Josh Donaldson is the greatest infielder or best infielder they had in the 2010s, and then you go to Batista and Giles, would you guys agree with the, how it's all ended up? Like, would you replace Estrada with, like, a Hap or David Bryce or Stroman? Or I don't think there's any replacing Bautista or Donaldson, but I think there's still a case to be made that maybe it wasn't 
Marco Estrada. It's just how the voting went out. And it's probably not Ken Giles as the best reliever in the 2010s. There may be Casey Jansen or Brett Siefel has a case, but I think it's been kind of cool to see how we can anoint these guys uh, the best at their respective categories. Yeah, that's tough. I mean, like, I do definitely agree with the infield outfield, and I'm leaning towards agreeing with Marco Estrada as the best starting pitcher because when you really boil it down, like, Aaron Sanchez didn't do enough, although the talent, we always thought the talent was there. He didn't do necessarily enough in terms of staying healthy and being consistent. Um, David Price was probably the most talented, but his tenure was so short that I don't know that I really want to put him in that category. Um, Same thing with Stroman. Like, a lot of people, either you loved him or you hated him. And, again, like, the talent was there, but it wasn't necessarily, like, bleeding through. I think, like, had he not torn his ACL, even though he came back super fast, had he not torn his ACL, we might have a, a different story here. Because um, it was a year wasted. So I do sort of lean towards Marco Estrada. As much as like this pains me, if we're just looking at talent alone, just pure talent in terms of a reliever, I think I would measure Osuna just a hair more than Giles. Yeah, no, I'd yeah. agree with that. Content and, of character I mean, and excluded. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You remove the off-field stuff, which we can't do. No. Well, just ignorant, insane, but, uh, yeah, no, it is. I mean, if there was no off, if there was no off, off field incident, Roberto Asuna is probably still with this team unless he got traded within the last two years right. uh, at the deadline for pieces. But yeah, I mean, if there's no off, if there's no off field incident, I think Roberto Asuna is in the final four. Well, it's uh, it's interesting, and I think you know the voting is showing right now that it's leaning towards the direction of JD versus Jose Bautista. But Blue Jays fans, there's still plenty of time for you to get those votes in if you disagree with that. <laughs> for some reason, <laughs> you think Ken Giles should be going in ahead of Bautista. Now's your chance to, to vote. Make as many Twitter profiles <laughs> as you want to sort of sway that vote because it's going to come down to like maybe a couple hundred, maybe. Um, Josh Donaldson versus Marco Estrada. I think that's going to be the closer of the two matchups, even though I think Josh Donaldson will run away with it. But uh it's going to be interesting this time next week when we see like that championship matchup. That's the true test of loyalty for Blue Jays fans. And um, I don't want to get into who we'd vote for quite yet because I, I think we should save that for next week. But uh, it's certainly what it's boiling down to. So uh, get those votes in, Blue Jays fans, for sure. Yeah. Everybody had four days. I put the polls out today. I made it four days. So we should find out. I guess that would be Monday or Tuesday. We'll have the final set. So I can time it to allow the next episode when Craig hosts for us to offer our opinions on probably who we voted for. Just to time it up. Which will be what I'm thinking is Blue Jay Trivia Night, guys. Okay. All right. (laughs) Do we do our our live show and do our popping of what's going on for who won and then go into trivia? (laughs) I'm in. Yeah, that's a good idea. I figured it out. I, I know how to do the Twitter show, so there you go. Gotta try it. And what better way to try it than have some news like that, right? And then we'll talk Blue Jay trivia with our group here, along with everybody out. I did it with work the other day, and it worked pretty swimmingly. So I figure I can try it and do it this way too. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Um, all right. Let's shift gears here. This I'm gonna spring this one on you. I saw this kind of before we we jumped on, so. I figured this is noteworthy and it sort of bleeds into the other topic, but um, I don't know if you guys caught this. 
the MLB, this this has to do with the whole like pandemic, COVID, whether or not the season is going to return, yada, yada, yada. The MLB is limiting their draft in to just five rounds, a significant decrease from the usual 40. So just five rounds. What do you guys think? Wow. I don't get it. Why? Yeah, why? I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, it, obviously, it has to do with blue- the pandemic. Yeah. Are they afraid that the teams are spend too much money and fold somehow? I don't know. I didn't think baseball was hurting yeah. anywhere but Tampa, maybe. But yeah. they have all the advertising money and everything, so I would assume buying rookies isn't such a bad deal. What the hell is the problem here? You don't see everybody. There's reason the free agent market has stopped, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. this just doesn't make any sense to me. This is like literally full on, in my opinion. Major League Baseball's full-on continuing assault of closing minor league baseball teams, mm-hmm. and that's a yeah. If there's no players there, how do you play? Yeah, what they it should be noted too that they are. So how do I phrase this? So to supplement, I guess the 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 lack of draft capital, for lack of a better way to uh, to put it, the MLB after the five rounds. Um, in the draft, they are um, MLB teams will be able to sign as many undrafted players as they wish for a maximum of twenty thousand dollars signing bonus each. So that sort of supplements the other ones, but in terms of drafting, they're only doing five rounds. Wow, that seems weird. that's interesting. Like, what what's the end goal there? What are they trying to eliminate, or are they just really concerned about financials? I mean, 20K doesn't seem like a whole lot. I'm not sure what undrafted baseball players typically sign for, but, I mean, I don't know. It seems like there's something behind the scenes that just hasn't come out yet as to why they're doing this now. It seems a little odd. Well, John Heyman just tweeted out, here's some notable recent round five draft picks. Rizzo, McNeil, Simeon, Justin Turner, Brantley, (laughs) Lorenzo Cain, J.D. Martinez, Paul Goldschmidt. This list is ridiculous. <laughs> Ken Giles yeah, is on this list. Good names Ken there. Giles is on this list. Giles Keiko and DeGrom, too. Fifth round draft picks. You're telling me that you're going to be... That's a, that's a solid slot to be able to pick good talent, and you're cutting these teams off of the knees. Now they're going to have to go Dude. fight over them, and it's going to end up like that freaking that show on HBO. Ballers are going to be walking yeah. up and be like, yo, dude, come and play with me. <laughs> and we're going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Bro, Kevin Pillar was drafted in the 32nd round. Mike Piazza. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. agree that talent can hit anywhere, but it just seems like to me that if you were going to limit it at all, maybe it's some of the really ridiculous end of the ma- you know, through the first 10 rounds, which would be your, what, normal two days? Of yeah. the draft. This sounds like they're barely they're squeezing it down almost into one day. Well, they did. The passing just said at six tonight. He said there was a proposal to the union for a ten round draft, but the sides couldn't come to an agreement. Well, I just wonder what the hell this disagreement was about. Why? Is it, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, seems a little ridiculous. And I just want to know why. Like, there seems to be a lot of uh, missing detail here, which I'm sure will leak out soon. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, I thought that was noteworthy. Um, it's definitely something that it, maybe it has to do with the um, the economy of the game as it stands right now. Maybe this is part of their effort. And even though I do think this is... Look, I, I get that 40 rounds is kind of like necessary when it comes to building a squad in terms of a farm system. 
but it, for a casual fan, like there is no uh, excitement when it comes to a baseball draft, right? We we can sort of admit that it's not nearly as fun and sexy as an NFL or an NBA draft, right? Because no one's sitting there watching the rounds and like keeping their fingers crossed all forty rounds. I don't I don't necessarily think that happens. So if maybe this is and I'm spitballing an effort to sort of lure in the casual fans to make the draft more exciting. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, baseball's draft has always been the toughest to drum up interest in just because you d- you won't see those players who are taken in the first round for five years or potentially never just because there's so much minor leagues that you have to go through and talent flames out pretty quickly once you get into minor league systems. So, yeah, I, I could see that for sure because I think out of even hockey's draft is better than baseball's draft in terms of interest, at least up in Canada. But, uh yeah, I can see it being for internet purposes and making it more of an event like the NFL or the NBA that does extremely well with their drafts and more mock drafts and whatnot. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I, I, I've watched the draft, but I've never been fully invested right. in the draft and making sure that I have to watch it. And I honestly don't really know any of these prospects coming out, which is entirely different from I know who the NFL prospects are and the NBA prospects and NHL prospects. So, yeah, maybe it's. Uh, it could be for entertainment purposes. I could see that. I think when it comes to baseball, the draft compared to like the NBA and NFL draft, with baseball, it's research after the fact. But with NBA and NFL, it's, there's a, a shit ton of research before the draft. So you know these players. Like I like you, Brendan. I think this is what you were trying to illustrate. That once a player is drafted to the Blue Jays, then I'm like, okay, let me investigate this guy. Yeah, exactly. Like I think it's a, it's very difficult because there's just so many positions, so much minor leagues to really be truly invested and know about a guy. And there were so many rounds, too, just to know all those players, whereas you know everything about an NFL prospect or an NBA prospect going into the draft. That's exactly what I mean. I think that's college sports culture in a nutshell, guys. You got football. Mm. Everybody watches college football. I even watch college football. I, I'm, I'm not even a, as far as my sports go. I'm baseball, hockey, then football usually. Mm. Except I'm a Sabres fan, so I don't like hockey anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, um, that's easy to lose interest. <laughs> then, oh, it's three weeks into the season. Ah, boom, done. Move yeah. on to football season. <laughs> so, but. I think that those college sports of basketball and football are just so heavily toted on a college campus. Even when I went to a Division three school, everybody's still talking about what's going on in the football team. You know, it's just how it right. is. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, yeah. until Omaha happens, you know, I don't think anybody's really given two shits about 99.9% of the college baseball world. And there's so many kids that don't even think about college and baseball, unlike football. And, co- and basketball. There's a lot more talent that goes through the college systems in those sports than there are in baseball. Well, uh, this sort of bleeds into the next topic that I want to discuss. And, of course, we've been doing this sort of on a weekly basis. But, again, this, this news is always evolving. It's always changing. So I think it's important that we do. Um, this time, the MLB is preparing to present players with a proposal to start the season sometime next week so again this doesn't mean the season's going to start next week it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to start at all it's just saying the mlb is going to send a proposal to the players next week in regards to starting the season now there has to be a joint agreement in order for the season to start at any point between the mlb and the mlb pa and that's not to say that players don't want to play i'm sure they do 
But this is, as of today, just a proposal. And again, we've all spoken about the likelihood of about the season starting and whether or not we think it's a good idea. But let's put that aside for a second. Craig, we'll start with you. How do you feel about this proposal? Does this bring you sort of a new sense of optimism <laughs> compared to where you were last week? Or are you sort of just like, I don't know, I think it's they're forcing it too soon, like sort of the same narrative. Where, where are you when it comes to this? I'm going to just start with a stand-up bit, I guess. And um, if I, I'm, I'm Tony Clark, and I get the freaking you know, envelope from the, you know, the owners and everything, and it, I open the envelope, and it just says, we're fucked come back next year (laughs) (laughs) so okay i guess i'll sign this but i still think i here in new york state at least on our side of the state by buffalo and everything people are starting to go back to work and you know so groups and stuff are you know going to start picking up and get more on monday here and i'm one of the firm believers that it's just too soon and i was i was expecting that half this baseball season, at a minimum, was going to be toast. So I was already thinking at the earliest, maybe this is where the proposal goes. July, all-star break, pick up and run with the, you know, down the stretch, have some random weird-ass freaking trade deadline in that e- equation, but then get 60, you know, 60-something games in. Call it a day. And I think that would be enough. Mm. What do you think, Brennan? Yeah, I don't know if much has changed for me compared to our discussion last week I agree it just seems like it's too rushed it's too forced to try to get it to be back this season um, I will say though there's been two things that I've thought about one was brought up by a friend of mine that I was talking to on Saturday just in terms of the sports that may be able to have clearance to get back up and running uh, in North America is with golf resuming there I know golf is completely different obviously but golf resuming their PGA Tour, obviously cutting out some within the next few weeks, and potentially baseball, is that the sports with the least amount of contact seem to be the ones, like just in terms of man-to-man and whatnot, that may be able to start back up sooner than the rest. And then the second thing that gave me a little bit of optimism today is I was listening to um, pro football talk, uh, Mike Florio. He was saying that the reason why the NFL is super optimistic that their season will be able to go on without any interruptions, whether it's fans in the stands or not, uh, is because that a the entire world will be different, and there'll be so much more news and evidence and whatnot come late July or August to the point where yeah, maybe the NFL will be able to go on. But the other thing he was saying is there seems to be growing optimism that by August, maybe even September, there will be readily available for a lot of people the ability to test yourself every morning like when you brush your teeth to see if you have coronavirus like a spit test yeah exactly yeah you'll be able to have instant results and instant tests so that you can live with the virus kind of is what he was saying or just cope with the virus being around and take the necessary precautions oh if you have it all right i'm staying home for 14 days if you don't have it all right i'll go into work yeah so I mean, I think these sports leagues all have way more information than the public does in terms of what governments are saying and plans and projections. So who knows? Maybe baseball has some sort of inside knowledge that the NFL has or other leagues have. But I, I, again, I just think it's, I guess we're all in agreement. It just seems a little too forced. And if it's not safe, don't do it. And I cannot see, guys, I cannot see the players agreeing to this. I cannot see the players saying, yeah, I feel 100% safe to go play baseball in these stadiums with or without fans so that's the big hurdle that they'll have to go through next week i have a couple more zingers 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Golf is coming back because it is literally the definition of you know social distancing. There's no other. There's no other way for me to say it. I'm sorry. I got in my golf cart and I drove to the next hole. <laughs> yep. Um, and then, I think I thought it was hilarious that you said Major League Baseball has more information maybe than some of these other places when they couldn't even put a, put a rod away and still can't get rid of them. Um, <laughs> we're hearing all this bullshit apparently at the Red Sox. Really, the, the laughable amount of evidence for their quote-unquote suspension for the Apple Watch incident and all this other crap. I'm just questioning the fact that of who the fuck is actually making decisions in our country, let alone Major League Baseball. Right. <laughs> so maybe it's just me. <laughs> well, see, when it comes to you, both of you obviously touched on some, some great points. And, you know, my stance on this has remained sort of the same. Like, it, it to me, it's kind of forced, right? There doesn't seem to be a robust plan to bring sports back at least in the immediate future um and i again i understand these these entities these sports leagues need to make money like i'm not blind to that i'm not the kind of person that's like you know forget the money uh whatever like i'm not that guy like i get it's a business you got to make money um but you know, it, the safety of the players is paramount, and it's just like the NBA. Like, right now, the NBA is starting to open up their practice facilities, and they're limiting the amount of players in the facility at one time in certain areas to four players. I, uh, Brennan, I know Toronto, they're opening up the OVO Center, and they're limiting it to one yeah. player, just one player at a time, right? And I tweeted this out, and I think this, is, this applies to all the sports. Like, okay, so what happens, God forbid, if one of the players become infected, are we pulling the plug on that team? Are we pulling the plug on that player? Or are we pulling the plug on the entire season again? Like, what do we do? And if, if the answer, if, if the MLB or the NBA or whatever have these fallback plans and they say, look, if one player gets infected, we're pulling the plug on the season. I don't know that it's worth it. Like, for me, it's just like, it, to me, it, it seems more likely that someone will become infected than not. And if that's the case, like, what are we doing? I think it's probably better off just to put the season on pause. But, Craig, going back to what you were suggesting about maybe July, do you think, like, that is part of maybe a, a good fallback or, or a safety valve for the MLB to be like, huh, this uh, limited amount of season kind of works for us, right? And it kind of works for fan interest. And, like, you, you look at the NBA, they're thinking about starting their season in December, so they don't have to really compete with anything NFL-related, right? They're, they're thinking about starting their season on Christmas Day, which I am 100% for. And we hear time and time again that the problem with baseball is that it's too long, it's too boring, season's too long, it's the, people don't become invested until really after the All-Star break. Well, what if we start it in July and make it July to, you know, the regular season until, I don't know, September? Like, are, are you guys for that if they started doing that? Or is that too much of a cut? I think it's going to create a ton of competition. Really? Think about that. When, when, if you have that short of a season, when do you put your trade deadline? you got to know that much sooner if you're pushing your chips in to go for the World mm. Series or not. Or is it even shortening the playoff you know, bubble at all? Well, or is it changing any of that? I'm assuming it's a start late, run with a normal season into the playoffs kind of right now, right? Well, let's let's say that they extend it maybe like to the end of September and maybe the World Series is played like mid-November. 
I know it's cold, but it's not like, you know, judging from <laughs> how the now, climate's man. been. Yeah, <laughs> judging from the, how the climate's been, <laughs> it's not like we've been experiencing a vast amount of snows in populated cities in mid-November. So I really don't think it'd be that much of a deterrent. And if that's the case, if you push it just a month, I don't know that that would be such a bad thing. I'm game on. What do you think, Brennan? Is Brennan here? I thought he was. <laughs> Brandon? Anyway. Okay. <laughs> it says he is. Well, well uh, I, I will speak for myself then. Uh, <laughs> I think that that's a good idea. I think that we should uh, investigate that. And if that's what the MLB is planning, then I don't see a problem with that. Because I do think, other than the competition aspect that you've said, that you've referenced on the field... I do think that it creates a lot more fan interest and then the game becomes like a lot more enticing. Like now everything matters sort of like an NBA season or an NFL season. Like literally every single game and series matters at that point. So if that's the case, like maybe this isn't such a bad thing. I just like I said, I just think it would be one of those things. This could be the freaking thing that actually brings everybody back to baseball again, dude. Think of this could be the home run race with Sosa and McGuire. Yeah, it could be the reason that people come back to watch that much more and just really get into it because it's going to be the first real big sports thing that we have back, right? So everybody has any mild, moderate interest in sports at all. Come on, dude, we got the guys that are the hardcore baseball people watching Korean baseball right now. Mm-hmm. I'm foaming at the mouth trying to get anything else. I am in the 2032 season of the Toronto Blue Jays in my MLB The Show, and I've won like <laughs> 500 World Series. Just saying. <laughs> that's, how, that's how desperate that I am. I put a dynasty together in that. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting to see where it comes back, whether it's this you know east-west central thing that they got going on or whatever the playoff format is. I just think that this little spice of you know anything sports that is going to benefit baseball immensely immensely well i do think that there is something to be noted when it comes to that because this does affect the blue jays in a pretty severe way i not to use like you know such dramatic terminology but um right now the rumor is that you know if, if the season does resume let's say in june or july or whatever um the chances that the blue jays have to relocate and host their team south of the border in America, um, that's a legitimate possibility. And they're saying it's even a probability. And I, you know, being a Blue Jays podcast, I find this interesting that perhaps Toronto doesn't get to see any live Blue Jays games within the city. Yeah, I, that that part, unfortunately, I really think is going to be. A true fact. I at the moment I'm not seeing a way that they can get around that, man. Especially with how they don't want the players traveling. Right. I think that's what really is the and not that there's anything, you know, honestly from what I've been reading, Toronto's been doing a pretty damn good job with this whole thing. <laughs> and yeah. as far as everything else, I uh, you kinda hear the opposite going on in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so but the fact that I just think that it's the get everybody in the same kind of area. So you play your division out, or at least it's only one big flight here and there to go play in the other division for a few days or whatever it might be. It's not constantly being in airports like these guys are on a regular everyday basis. You're talking about getting in a new city every three days. Right. 
So I think that's what they really have to work around because that's going to be the end all of everything right there. Because if they're constantly in airports, I can't believe the other day I finally read that Delta and American Airlines and everybody are actually finally mandating that you have to wear a mask on your flight. I didn't wow. even know we were having flights, let alone yeah, I mean, I we haven't even suspended. done that yet. Right. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> so, so they're actually resuming flights right now. I, they keep flying over my damn house, man. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't think, I don't think they stopped the whole damn time. Wow. Okay. Well. Then again, I'm it, right on Lake Ontario. Every time I flew back into Rochester, the weird flight path that they took, I'd come way past Ro- Rochester, like over way by Buffalo fly halfway over the lake where I can see down the from the Port Hor window down to Toronto and see the CN Tower and then come back over the lake and then right back into Rochester because we're right on Lake Ontario here. Right. So that was the weirdest flight path ever but you hear those planes I, I'm hearing one one or two a day not like they, they used to or they're like constant you know it's, it, it's insane how much traffic goes through the Rochester airport here for a quote unquote small city. Well uh, if you guys listening are have been flying even irregularly. Uh, more power to you. You guys, you put guys a mask are, on for Christ. Yeah, <laughs> you guys are braver than I am, and I'm surprised that this is just becoming something that's implemented. But um, uh, yeah, I, I just think that it's um, it's one of those things that there's going to be a dramatic shift when it comes to how baseball is operated and how uh, the game is going to be played and whether or not that means a shortened season in in a way or whether or not that means relocating. I don't know. I I don't necessarily think that this is going to be something that has to be implemented year in and year out, but I do think that if, if, if there's more gravitation towards it in terms of a casual fan, maybe this is something that MLB will stick with moving forward. I don't necessarily think it will because they're all about the dollar and cents and you're sacrificing a lot of revenue when you don't have that much (laughs) ticket sales. Yeah, like ticket beer sales, concessions, whatever, merchandise. Sacrificing a lot. But if more people are, yeah, if more people are watching the game, uh, maybe it's not such a bad thing. Mr. Panikar, welcome back. Did you forget to pay your internet bill? Is he here? His microphone it looks like it's off. says it's here. <laughs> he said he was Mr. downloading Brad- on his phone. Yeah, Mr. There Boom. we go. There he <laughs> is. There. All right, good. Yeah, I just had to unmute myself. I got it on my phone. There we go. Um, I was just saying that there's a possibility that the Blue Jays may be relocated as a result of the season resuming. Yeah. No, I know. It's uh, going to be interesting to see if they do play out of Dunedin. Isn't that the rumored plan? Yes. To play out of Dunedin. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not terrible for the players because they all have spring training homes, or at least they rent out of there. So, for some of them uh, that even live and train in the Tampa area all year round, it's like they're basically be at home. Going to Toronto in a way is kind of like going out of where they're from and where they live. So, yeah, it'll suck for the fans though. But uh, who knows? Slightly convenient. They just got done doing how much renovating to the place? Oh, yeah. yeah. Seriously, they got to do that. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, God, I got to kick back here in the uh, tiki bar in left field. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me crawl into this margarita bottle. I'll be all right. <laughs> well, uh, on that note, we should, <laughs> we should uh, let's, let's shift gears. This is going to be the final topic for the evening. And, uh, Craig, you brought this to our attention last night. I want to talk about the Roy Halladay E60 documentary. The trailer, I think, was... I don't know if it was dropped last night, but like I said, Craig, you brought it to our attention. Um, I watched it, and... Oh, man. 
Oh man, this is going to be a tearjerker. Um, the documentary will be released later this month in May, and it heavily focuses on Doc's addiction to pain medication, antidepressants, and his striving desire towards perfection on an everyday basis. This is sort of like a, a sign towards like having too much pressure on yourself. And his wife is even on record saying, like, I hate that word perfect. And maybe that's like a trigger word for her when it comes to how uh, Doc operated and what he was expected of him. But I think she said man, that this his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, this was heavy. This is a very, very heavy trailer. And it's only two minutes. Like you have A-Rod speaking on there. You had Robinson Cano speaking on there, like talking about how well respected he was and how no one else worked harder. Um I don't know. Craig, I'll start with you because, you know, you brought this to our attention. Does this reshape your view on Roy Halladay at all? Not at all. I, I, everybody has their demons, man. And we don't always see all that kind of stuff, especially on a baseball field. The, the name of the documentary is called Imperfect Roy Halladay. So the whole idea of this thing is to go through his career, and they were all, everybody there in the trailer is saying, this guy chewed people up and spit them out on a baseball field, but clearly maybe there was something going on off the field, or at least it eventually became something off the field. Guys, how does, my biggest thing is, this is the first I've heard of this. That was the thing that shocked me the most. I've heard some About his addiction? What, the the painkillers? The painkillers and stuff, yeah. Oh, wow. I... I heard the rumors that the, you know, the toxicology report from when he, you know, unfortunately had the accident and everything like that. But I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, maybe he, that was the one time, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I, and not to mention in really tabloids, Florida, I, God knows what right. the hell they were thrown in on that. So I took it with a grain of salt because one way or the other, I always enjoyed watching Roy Holiday. So, and not to mention I did beat him the one time and he was just the coolest guy I've ever met. <laughs> he was so down to earth. He, me and my dad were in a freaking Tim Hortons or something right down the street from the ballpark. Actually, I think it was a second cup. And um, he came down, and we were sitting there, and we saw him. We were like, is that Roy Holiday just you know, chilling out here? And no, nobody else is paying any attention to him. We're sitting there in Blue Jays <laughs> shit, getting ready to go to the 1 o'clock game. And, you know, he slaps his money down on the table like he's getting ready to leave. And then we're, like, kind of, like, apparently jaw-dropping a little bit. And he goes, you guys aren't from around here, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and we just <laughs> talked to him for like three minutes. He, and then he went on his way. It was nothing crazy, and that was just kind of how I, that that my image of how he was. Period. It was right there. Just a nice guy. And then obviously he was on his way to the ballpark. It was like freaking like ten o'clock in the morning, guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. it's not like it's a one o'clock game. You know, he's uh, you know probably already done his workout. <laughs> he's having his second breakfast or something. And then he's going to go right back to the damn ballpark. That's kind of the mentality I knew. Or the run the Roy Holiday mile up and down the freaking 500 level seats. You know, those are the kind of things I'll probably remember him from always. But um, I was completely caught off guard with how... Well, the first with the headline was Roy Holiday's widow Brandy discusses ex-MLB starting pitchers drug use in E60 trailer. It was the headline I read. 
right off the bat and was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I got yeah. sucked in. <laughs> and then I watched the trailer and I was up. I was down. It was like I was watching that Bills documentary that we were talking about last week with the four falls oh, yeah. of Buffalo. <laughs> I was happy. I was sad. Everything in between. <laughs> so It's so good. Exactly. Um, and I would assume that ESPN has the same tender love and care for a great baseball player that it will be panned in a not as bad as that headline would in, entail. When you watch the trailer, it, like I, like Adam said, it is rather heavy, but it does seem like that it's going to be a good story about Roy Holiday and why it's good to work hard. And then, yes, you might have some demons, but maybe these are what you need to do kind of things instead. More like a cautionary tale than a uh, blasphemy, you know? Right, right. Um that was very well said. Uh, I oh, don't sorry. really have more to Yeah. Um, <laughs> Brendan, you said that you uh, you wanted to save uh, your your viewership for the for the real deal. Um, knowing these chunks of information that we've you know sort of espoused, what do you think? Did you know? Because obviously we did hear about the toxicology report. I obviously didn't know the extent of the of the addiction. I don't know that that was necessarily covered as much. But from what we have just discussed, does this reshape, it positively or negatively, your your opinion or your view of Roy Halladay? No, and I mean, that's kind of why I don't want to watch the trailer until I go straight into it. I don't want any preconceived notions or just anything that the trailer's going to tell us about Roy Halladay to come across and make me think any differently of him. I probably wouldn't if I decided to watch it, but I just want to go straight into it and see what it's all about without knowing absolutely anything other than what you guys just said. But, I mean, it, it's going to be sad. It's going to be very emotional. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the trailer's heavy. I mean, one of the most beloved Blue Jays, and I, Phillies, too. The Phillies mm. love him. I can't point out that enough, that there's a lot of Roy Halladay stuff still around Citizens Bank Ballpark. So two fan bases are absolutely in love with the guy and what he did for both teams and both countries. But, uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be sad. It will be kind of a nice way to put him to rest, I guess. I know it's been a few years, but just a nice way to kind of close the book-ish and hopefully just whenever Roy Halladay's brought up again after this documentary, it'll be in nothing but good lights. But maybe it can be a learning lesson, too, that, you know, athletes are always up on such a pedestal of never going through stuff off the field or at least appearing that way to the public where in reality uh, a lot of them probably do and go through same struggles so maybe it will help other athletes come out and deal with addiction or just come clean with what they are going through and experiencing so who knows it'll be interesting i'll be curious when we'll get it up here i'm assuming sportsnet's probably going to try to work out some sort of deal because obviously we don't have espn and um, maybe tsn will get it but uh yeah, I'll, I'll find it regardless whenever it gets out on, uh, at the end of May. Yeah, I would share just... my screen with you that night. I guess. On yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll hold. We'll virtually hold hands and watch it together. Is team? Is Microsoft going to be upset with that? Our <laughs> 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 team stuff. You are streaming across borders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you God. would imagine that this would be available uh, somehow in Canada, just because of the Blue Jay relationship um, that Roy Halladay. I mean, the dude retired as a Blue Jay. Yeah. Right, I, made a I point mean, of it too. That was yeah. that was one of the coolest things in the planet. So. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I look. I I can't say that my opinion of Roy Halladay is 
affected negatively as a result of this. I, I, I think, Brennan, you said it well when you said that a lot of people go through things off the field and, you know, they have their personal demons. Craig, you touched on that too. And, you know, I, I think Roy Halliday's wife said it best in the trailer. And again, not to, you know, give too much away to you, Brennan, but she said that imperfect people can reach certain levels of perfection. And that's like exemplified in his perfect game and his, you know, uh, no hitter in the playoffs. And I think that, you know, when it comes to this, it just exemplifies the enormous amount of pressure that great athletes do have on them. And some, or if not most, if not all, are like incapable of handling the pressure because it is sort of enormous and it is sort of a tall ask to lend towards another human being. Like at the end of the day, like even though we like to say that Doc was this machine this sort of Terminator character because, like, he sort of carried himself that way. Um, there's no denying that he was still human, right? And obviously humans have emotions. And uh, I, I'll tell you, when we reference the retirement, I've never seen Roy Halladay so human as he was during his retirement speech. Like, when he <laughs> signed that one-day contract, he was like, I'm like, this is not the Roy Halladay that I know. Like, the Roy Halladay that I knew as a fan was someone that was like, I don't want to talk to the press. I am, like, so in the zone right now. And someone that, like, gave, not, like, you know, impolite, but very short answers. Like, he was always so, so focused. And then when he signed that one-day contract to retire as a Blue Jay, I'm like, this guy's all smiles. Like, who is this guy? This is not Roy Halladay. <laughs> um, Which is how I, but, I got caught off guard with him that one day in the coffee shop. Yeah. Like, it's just like clearly that other guy that what, what was it when he was a, this is one of my favorite things he did when he was a Philly even period that guy he was like at the zoo at behind he was like wearing a Roy Holiday jersey and oh, Roy yeah. Holiday sitting there pointing at him and yes. eventually finally gets his attention after like six pictures on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just it, I don't think that this documentary for lack of a better way to put it will like dissuade me from my positive feelings towards Roy Halladay. Like, we reference top five Blue Jays of all time. He's in there, too. Like, he's 100% in there. For me, it's Roberto, in no particular order. It's Alomar, Joey Bats, JD, uh, Steve, and Halladay. Like, those, to me, are the top five Blue Jays of all time. You can throw George Bell in there and mm -hmm. take out Steve if you want. It's up to you. But, like, for me, I just think that Halladay belongs in there because during a time in which the Blue Jays were so terrible... Literally, he was the only good thing we had for so long, especially during that J.P. Ricciardi era. My God, like, the, what else do we have? So I, I just, it's going to be interesting to see. I do think, like, it's definitely appointment must-view television or download for Blue Jays fans. But uh, it, it's going to be really, really, uh, I, I guess, sad in a way to see a peek behind the curtain of the life that he lived. And, and if he was suffering in any way, man, that makes me feel even worse. Just makes you wonder how much that those those quiet moments and things you were talking about on and off the field there were the exact reason why he was not having a struggle when he was playing baseball maybe as much but right it's gonna be nice to see this whole thing get a whole story and espn yeah. does such a good job with their documentary stuff this will be a i would think casting it in the right light to the fact that you know this is what roy halliday was period mm. and this is why he should still be loved regardless of these things that were probably eating on him and whatnot and i think his wife said it in that trailer the best it's just you can't expect somebody to be perfect all the time and i think that's what a lot of people thought he was this guy was insane nobody had seen a pitcher like him in toronto 
especially right. throughout that generation. The last guy that pitched this well was Dave Steve in the 80s. Right. So it was unheard of. And to know that there was maybe some more going underneath the hood going on here. It, like I said, it's gonna. I think it's going to be one of those things that's going to be nice to know the whole story because we didn't get all that stuff when he was a Blue Jay or even when he was a Philly or after his retirement. Well, uh, I don't want to end things too much on a somber note, but this is where we're at. So when it comes to, when it comes do you to want this, to talk do... about the drone thing then? Then yeah, yeah. You know what? Well, go ahead. Yeah, that sort of leads into the previous conversation. So, that's, that's all you, Craig. Go ahead. I'll, I'm just gonna flip it back here, just so so you can have your happy moment here at the end of the show, Adam. Perfect. <laughs> there is a company out of Buffalo, New York, that is trying to do a. Um, a, san- a stadium sanitizing system with drones and I watched the video I showed it with you guys before uh, the show um, I forget the name of the company already but I think it was Eagle Hawk it Eagle was pretty Hawk, cool that's it, yep. <laughs> it was yep. pretty cool to see that some people are trying some different clever ways to more or less make it rain sanitizer in the ballpark <laughs> to uh, you know hopefully get us back to um, you know being able to go to these venues and actually take in a baseball game because more or less what they were talking about in the news feed this morning was when they were, if you were going to hand scrub and really do a sanitizing effort in a ballpark, and they were doing sale and field, which is the home of the Buffalo Bisons, it would take three days to do it. So you would only be able to have a game like twice a week to really make sure you cover everything, right? These things are just flying over the seats. Like I said, making it rain. It's an outside venue anyways <laughs> but if you're spraying everything down like with a fire hose of freaking uh you know sanitizing liquid it's a lot better than not having it done at all and i would say using a drone is a lot cheaper than paying a bunch of people to get it done really really quick which brings in another problem of having too many people there <laughs> <laughs> so, <cool. laughs> so maybe this is where it goes i don't know mm. i just thought it was really cool to see that on the news this morning I can see it for sure. I mean, if it's going to help get fans in stands quicker or make sure that it'll be safe from game to game, I'm all for it. Go Buffalo. (laughs) I say, uh, if you're listening, Blue Jays fans, invest. Invest, (laughs) invest, invest. Got some extra money lying around? Put some money into that company right now. You'll be a rich, rich man or woman. Just invest. Just (laughs) invest. All right. Well, there's your positive note that we'll end this up on. Uh, so maybe I should finish that. by saying this: is Jaybird watching is not affiliated with any financial unions or anything <laughs> like that that might be able to fuck your future over. <laughs> however, yeah, we are not financial advisors. <laughs> however, we are looking for sponsorships. <laughs> yeah, sponsors all day, every day. Yeah. Absolutely, give us some money. Um, that being said, uh, I got nothing else on the agenda here, but look, it, it is encouraging at the very least, although we do think it's a little bit rushed and whatnot, it is encouraging that there's at least conversation and there's a glimmer of hope. If done correctly, who am I, dude? I'm not a doctor. Okay, I don't know. Like, what do I know? I just, I'm just going off my gut feeling. I'm just a podcast guy. I don't, I don't know anything. I'm the, uh, I'm, I'm the, the definite idiot out of the three of us, so like, I don't know anything. Don't take my word for it, so... Uh, that being said, uh, next week we should have, like I said, the finals of this bracket. And uh, I think we know what it's going to boil down to. But Blue Jays fans, get those votes in. I highly encourage you. Check us out on Twitter at BirdwatchingGC. Just get those votes in and uh, make this interesting. If, if a lot of you love Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson, well, then it's going to be a pr- pretty cut and dry race. And we'll, we'll reconvene next week. 
But uh, yeah, I got nothing else unless you guys want to add something else. What night do, you, do we do show Friday next week and have trivia night? I'm in. Yeah, let's do it. I'm okay. in for that. So I'm going to do my best and we'll get this up with, you know, 10, 15 questions or so for Toronto Blue Jays trivia night. And like I was saying when I put the vote up a couple weeks ago to see if there was any interest in it at all. Um, if a fan wins, you get to come on the show and, um, you know, talk with us for a few minutes. I think that's a pretty decent prize. Get some airtime and hang out. Pop I love beer. it. I'm in. <laughs> Absolutely. Friday night beers, baby. Beer I'm night. in. Cool. Well, that being said, gentlemen, it's uh, always a pleasure doing this. I'm glad that we were able to do this this week. Until next week, uh, let's, uh, let's finish this off as we know how with the Let's Go Blue Jays. Let's Go let's Blue Jays. Go Blue Jays. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.